Hey, New Life family, welcome to the weekly podcast. We want to take a moment to say thank you so much for listening. We hope this message encourages you and helps you in some way today move forward in your relationship with Christ and others. We pray God blesses you wherever you are today. Now enjoy the message. And when you get there, you're going to be like, oh my gosh. I know this because I've heard of it. And we're going to start in verse 11. And he's going to put it up on the screen. And this is going to be a little different than you're used to. Um, but that's, that's fine. And I'm going, to read, uh, I'm going to read it, probably just read it from up here, even though I've got it right here. This, this was not at all intended. But as we were praying and as the Lord was moving, I felt necessary uh, to, to dive into this very quickly to help us understand some things. Um, we, we are, we're living in a time where it is short. We heard the word of the Lord this morning. We heard the tongues and interpretation. If you're not, uh, accustomed to that, that is, that is something that is very biblical. You can find it. Uh, I can walk you through it in Acts. It is tongues and interpretation and the message that came forward is actually, it's interesting because there were several of us men on Friday night who were discussing the fact that time is short. Time is extremely short. If I could dive into to all the things that you, it would just blow your mind if I could dive into what's going on right now in Israel, what's going on with the rabbis, with, with the third temple, the red heifers, all the things that are going on. And you guys would be like, what are you talking about? But let me just tell you that there are a lot of prophecies that are being fulfilled at an extremely alarming rate right now. They've been being fulfilled for years, but things are happening at a quicker pace. How many's noticed that time seems to be moving faster? Is anyone else? Is it anyone else that you were just like it was July yesterday? <laughs> right? How many feels like that? It was July yesterday, and I look up and now it's October. We're get, we're talking about holidays. Right. Time is moving faster. That's yet another thing you'll find in the Bible where time, the time is increased. It's like it's the things are just happening at a pace. And you're just like, I don't understand what's going on. It's because the Lord is coming soon. And so I'm going to uh, dive into this just very quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I want to point out a couple of things that as I was standing over there and praying that I really felt the Lord impress on my heart. Um, this this is a very well-known set of scripture. How many's heard this preached before? The prodigal son, right? How many's heard all kinds of things? We've heard that the prodigal son, he did a lot of bad things and woke up in the pit of sin one day and was like, man, even the servants in my, my father's home live better than me, right? We, we've heard those. It's like one day he came to his senses. I've heard preachers preach on that. We've heard, uh, heard it talked about that the son that was at home, he was given his inheritance as well, but he just happened to stay. Right. And we understand that this story, when you read through it, is a parable. In other words, it's a parallel story. That's what a parable is. A parable is a parallel story. And we understand that the son that left was one that was once in the father's house and he left. That that's that's someone who is a Christian and has walked away from Christianity. And we also understand that that while he's living out there, he represents the world. But the son that stayed represents those of us who maybe didn't ever. How many has ever left? I'm raising my hand because I did. How many's been in church and still left? Right? And and 
there's, there's uh, just an understanding that all of us at one time in our life have walked away, turned our back on the Lord, right? But then there's some that are like, man, I stayed faithful and I was in the house. But then whenever the prodigals start coming in, they get a little jealous. They're like, why is the Lord touching them and not me, right? I want to point out several things in this as we read through. And so um, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to ask you to give Tanner a little bit of grace because this is not what I prepared to give him. And this is also a new way of displaying the scriptures uh, because the software does the work for us. But I like it because you guys can see it kind of going verse by verse. And so this is going to be. And so we're going to start right here. <clears throat> then he said a certain man had two sons. This is Jesus telling the story. And it is uh, the beginning of the story. He's saying this certain man, this is the, the parallel, the parable. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Tanner, we're going to go through the whole thing, and then I'm going to have you jump back to the second verse of this grouping. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed uh, to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and we began, and he began to be in want. He needed some stuff. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the father said to him, Father, I have, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what, was, what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you have never gave me a young goat that I might be, make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with har uh, harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost, but now is found. So, 
I, I know that we read there's a couple of verses that jump out that really touch my heart. But let's jump all the way back to that second out of the two verses. I think you guys understand uh, that when Jesus said there was a man with two sons, I don't think we need to go over that. What I want to focus on here, what I was standing over there and the Lord uh, reminded me of, and, and maybe there's been a, pre- I'm sure at some point throughout history, a preacher has solved this long before I did. I am not some super uh, wise man that I should, I should see things that other people haven't. I want you to understand that. Uh, almost every time you hear someone give you a nugget and you're like, man, I've just never seen it that way. I can promise you and guarantee you throughout history, there's been someone else at some point who has read it and saw that same thing. We just never heard about it until that time. This is why also it's important for us to get in the word because God will begin to give you revelation as you read throughout the word that will really open things up. But one of the things that I want you to see here is it says that the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now I've heard it preached. I've heard people talk about the fact that both got their portion at the same time. But what I want you to notice, and maybe you're like, man, Tommy, I've always seen that, is that it says that the younger of the two, the son, came to the father and said, give me my portion. And one of the things that I've noticed about almost every individual myself included, that has walked away from the Lord, it's because a lot of times the Lord has given you some sort of a blessing that you had been praying for. But the blessing became the thing that you worshipped, not the Father who gave it to you. Amen? So what has has happened that I've seen, and this is just something the Lord just highlighted to me, is that the Lord will be like, you know what, I don't, because this is true. If there's any fathers in the house, you know this to be true. A lot of times our kids ask us for things, and we're like, no, I don't think you're quite ready for that yet, right? If you're a good father, you weigh that, and you say, you're not quite ready for that yet. I'm not going to give it to you. And sometimes they perceive that as, well, you're just mean and don't want me to have things. But a lot of times it's because we understand things that they don't quite get yet, and we're like, you're not ready for it. Let's wait a little bit, and then, then you can walk into that. But here's, here's a situation where if I was to, to just put my own spin and thought on it, that the, the son had probably been bothering his father for a while, saying, you know what, I, I'm ready. Give me my portion so I can go do what I want to do. You know what, I'm ready. Give me my portion. So, and the father had probably been putting it off and saying, because I just know the nature of fathers, because I am one, and I have a heavenly father, and I had an earthly father, and this is a pattern that you'll see in, in fatherhood, in parenting, period. I mean, moms, moms take part in this. They, they help out with this. They understand it. You understand when your kids aren't ready for something. And so you, you're not withholding it because you don't want them to have the good thing. You're withholding it because you know it's something that would actually cause them more harm if they have it when they're not ready for it. And our Father in heaven is the same way. Um, there are oftentimes things we're praying for that the reason the Lord doesn't give them to us right away is because we're not mature enough to handle those things. And, and, and I want to pause here for a moment because this is something that the Lord's dealt with me. Oftentimes we don't have a lot of things monetarily, financially, 
you can put it in any area of your life because we're not mature enough with the, what we already have for us to give us more. Does that make sense? One of the things in the world that we have now is you have all these people who are going after millions and millions of dollars. And, and the thing is, is they get it, but then they don't manage it well. And then one thing happens and they're right back in the poorhouse. Why? Because they weren't quite mature enough to handle the thing that had been given them in the first place. Sometimes we pray for relationships, spouses. We pray for a relationship and we wonder, or as I'm going to just, I'll flip it a minute. I want you to keep the relationship theme in your head. We pray for, desire, and want a relationship, but we're not mature enough for one. (laughs) And so the Lord's like, I'm not going to give that to you yet. How many times have you guys watched someone get a relationship, and the moment they get the relationship, then they're out of church, and you're like, what happened? They were just praying just earnestly the other day with the Lord. Now they got the thing the Lord's that they've been asking the Lord for, and now they're not here. It's over and over. And, And the thing is, is it's different with all of us. Every single one of us. You'll find people who are really mature with their finances, but they are terrible when it comes to relationships. Or you find people that are really mature with relationships, but they're, they're terrible with uh, taking care of a home or a car. They're, I mean, it, there's all kinds of things that this goes into. Oftentimes, the Father is withholding things from us because we're not mature. But at some point, He loves us so much, He's like, you know what, I'll allow it. He doesn't necessarily give it to us, or sometimes he does. But then that thing comes in, and here's what happens. The same exact scenario that's here will happen in our lives. We have the thing that we desired most, and it wasn't him. The thing we desired the most was not the Lord. And because it wasn't the Lord, the thing we got was what we desired most, and we just followed it. And it leads to the same exact situation. Now, I'm not going to bore you. We, and I know Scripture is not boring, but what I'm saying is we've heard it's preached. I believe most everyone in here, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard this preached so many times. He went as a son and he spent everything. He, he went and spent it on the desires of what? His flesh. His heart was the seat of emotions, the things that he desired the most at that time. He went and spent everything on that. And he found himself one day, he woke up. And if uh, Tanner, if you want to fast forward to that that particular part, it says, uh, and I forgot to look at the verse number, but it said that, and he came to himself, right? After he had spent it all and he began to be in want and then he found a citizen. That's what the next one is. He joined with the citizen to feed the swine. And I think it's the next one or two. But when he had came to himself, when he had came to himself, and if you're familiar with this in your own life, there's been a point in time where you prayed for that thing, you got the thing, and you went after the thing instead of God. Now, if you're, if you're like me, now I'm, I'm a pretty intelligent guy. I'm pointing at my head for a reason. But sometimes I'm not all there. Does that make sense? <laughs> right? In other words, I, I can tell you how to operate almost any piece of electronics. I could have never seen that piece of electronics before. But one of the giftings God's given me is I can pick up something brand new, 
never have touched it before, don't even know what it's for, give me five minutes with it, and I'll be like, okay, yeah, this is what you do, this is how you do it, this is what this button for. And, and people are like, how do you do that? It's a gifting from God. It's electronics. It's just something that comes naturally to me. And so some people go, well, man, you're really, really smart. No, it's actually it's a blessing from the Lord. I, I can't take credit for it. And, and I have a great memory. And so there's things that people go, man, you're super intelligent, Tom. But you know what? I have done some really dumb things in my life. Why? Because I'm, and I'm pointing to my heart. I'm not all there. Right? Because I'm really smart here and I know what's right and wrong. But when I go to follow after the things of my heart, I'm not all there. Because sometimes I go after the things that are in my heart. And that thing hasn't been focused on God. Jesus Christ has got to become our focus. And I know this is a little bit strange the way that I'm taking this, but I want you to understand the Father's house is where everything was, right? Everything was in the Father's house. He went out and spent on all that stuff, and he found out that all that stuff wasn't worth anything. And what I want us to understand is the relationships, the money, the cars, the houses, the jobs, the Whatever it is that we seek to fulfill ourselves with, it's not in those things. It's only in Jesus Christ. And we've gotten so wound up, and this world is so material. I Originally, in, in my message that I was going to uh, preach or minister on this morning, um, I was going to get into uh, just some of the signs of the times to set up for where I was going, uh, where I was headed with my message. And that is this, that... that in, uh, I believe it's Philippians, um, or no, uh, I gave it to Tanner. But it talks about the fact that in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. Amen. And that men there is actually mankind. So women, it doesn't give you escape there. It's, it's, it's talking about all of mankind would become lovers of themselves. They would become selfish. They would follow after all the things that they want to do. How many have seen that in the world right now? And so what I want to say is that that we've got to be careful in this moment that we who are still in the father's house. And that's the way I'm taking that the most of you are here. You're in the father's house that we that are in the father's house, that we not get distracted by something that we want. That, that's just so much on our heart that the moment we get it, then we step out of the father's house. Because as we heard the word of the Lord this morning and as I'm just starting to see signs, we cannot afford to be out of the father's house in this time period. We cannot afford to be out of the house of the Lord. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. And we could go on and we could read that portion right there where it says that I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell my father, forgive me. Go ahead and fast forward, Tanner, to the part that this part always touches my heart. Because it says that he, as he went... It says, but when he was a far way off. He said, when he was a far way off, and because I've been going off the screen, I can't tell you the exact, right here. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still, (sighs) when he was a great way off, and this one I've heard preached a thousand times, but every time it pricks my heart, Because the reason why it says that his father saw him is because his father was sitting and looking for him. The prodigal may not have had his eyes on the father, 
but the father was still waiting on him to come back. I've been that prodigal, and every time that I've stepped away and I've went and fulfilled the lusts, let's just get real, the lusts of my heart, the things that my flesh wanted, more so than any other thing, I went and did those things that immediately when I turned and came back, he was already waiting for me. And it said that he ran to him, fell on his neck and kissed him. That's why one of my favorite, one of my favorite songs that talks about uh, how he loves us. Everyone always wants to do the politically correct thing. They want to say it's an unforeseen kiss. And I'm like, no, I don't know about you, but every time I've met the Lord right in the middle of my mess, it was messy. It was sloppy. So when they say sloppy wet kiss in that song, everyone's like, no, get away from that. That's not biblically right. I'm telling you right here, it was messy. When, when his father met him, that's why the next verse, he's like, get a clean robe, get him some shoes, because what he's in isn't going to work. It was messy. And I don't know about you guys, but when we get these prodigals start coming in, when the world starts walking through that doors and they're coming in here, it's going to be messy. We can't expect them to come in here and everything be right in their lives because they're not going to be right. It's going to be messy. And, and everyone's like, you're, you're silly for saying that. But I'm telling you, it's like a sloppy wet kiss. Every time the Lord meets me, I'm in the middle of my mess and I'm like, Lord, I don't just. That's why I was singing that song this morning. Lord, you have been so faithful. Every time I've turned my back on you, every time I've walked away and done what I want to do, I turn around, you have been faithful to meet me right in the middle of my mess and say, here I am. That was the word of the Lord this morning. And the Lord was saying, I'm standing with my arms open. Just come to me. Why? Because he's the father sitting on the porch, looking out and down the road, anticipating your return. It's important that we not throw away services like this morning throw away don't don't get so distracted by other things that when the presence of the lord is moving like it was this morning that you just stay tuned out checked out i've done it i'm i'm not pointing fingers at anyone that that like i've never done this i've been checked out in the middle of a service when the holy spirit is moving and i'm vowing that never again Never again. Pastor Amika said it this way uh, a few months back. She was like, no wasted Sundays. In other words, every Sunday I'm coming in to do business. Lord, what is it this Sunday that you need me to work on? What is it that I need to, Lord, I want to be closer next Sunday. I heard uh, there's, there's uh, a YouTube guy that I do like to listen to every now and then uh, that he makes it. He's like, I'm just going to. I'm going to, my goal is to be a better man than I was yesterday. In other words, the man that I want to be better than is whoever it was I was yesterday. Tomorrow, I want to be a better person than I was yesterday. But you know what? Here's the thing. The only way you can do that is this. Right here. And then on your face, or maybe you don't get on your face. Maybe you sit up. Maybe you lay down. Maybe you walk. Maybe you pace when you pray. Whatever it is, however it is that you communicate with God. I love what my brother said this morning uh, about a simple prayer. Because here's the thing. I do use big words when I pray sometimes, but that's the way I talk. So the Lord listens to me the way that I talk because that's my personality. 
I knew, I knew a, a gentleman that I've heard preach many years um, about different things, and he said when the Lord talked to him and showed him dreams, it was always about basketball because he had been a coach for basketball for many years. And so the Lord spoke to him in dreams about basketball. Why? Because that was the language that he knew. The Lord will speak to you and hear you however it is that you talk. That's, that's the thing. Your friends that are friends with you, they don't expect you to change the way you talk because they understand you, right? You use words that no one else in the world ever uses, and they still know what it is you're talking about, right? The Lord is no different. He understands. So when my brother was saying that, I knew exactly what he was saying. A simple prayer is just the fact that you use what it is you use, and the Lord hears you. You don't need something special. Sometimes we get intimidated with prayer. We're like, I don't know how to talk to the Lord. Well, talk to him like you talk to anyone else. He already knows what's in your heart. Just communicate with him because there's a power in the moment you release the words from your mouth. There is a power in that. And I, that's not even, well, I don't have any notes for this. So <laughs> now I want to fast forward just a little bit. Let's go to the next verse. He repents here. This is metanoia. He had already done the metanoia, actually. He's just now vocalizing it with his father. So we have to understand something about repentance. Repentance isn't a prayer that you repeat after someone. And, and I, I want to say that. I know that we have been so big in churches to do that. Um, I'm not against repeating a prayer after someone. I think Pastor Tim did it this morning. I'm not against that because God uses it. But what's important is if, if we read back just about three or four, five verses, you'll see this is just repeating what he had already done in his heart. He's like, now I, earlier, he said, now I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you, uh, against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. He said that already. This is just a repeating of what he had already said in his heart. He had said in his heart, I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to tell him these things. So in my, just, I'm going to tell you, if we were to get into scripture and understand repentance, he's already done the repenting. He's now walking it out. Does that make sense? He's now walking it out in front of his father. He's saying to his father, listen, because it's important that you verbalize it, not just say it in your heart. There is, there is a power in that. You have to verbalize it. And he says, father, I have sinned against you. And he goes to this, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Next verse. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. If I had time to go into it, we could talk about what each one of these things mean. But this all had to do with identity. The robe, the ring, even the sandals, because the sandals feet had to be clean, all that stuff. It was all significant when you get into Jewish culture. He put all this stuff on and it identified who he was to all the servants and everyone else in the house and his neighbors and friends, everybody. This is my son. This is why Jesus talks about us putting on the robe of righteousness, right? Or we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are a couple different verses that deal with this same thing. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We put on a robe of righteousness. Why? Because it's an identification thing. When we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, it identifies us as his children, and so that, that was significant. This is showing that I've heard what you said, son, that you repented. I hear your heart. 
and so here's the clothing to show that the outward now is matching the inward, right? What was inside of you is now being shown on the outside. Go to the next verse. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. This is, again, just uh, how many's heard the, the old preachers say that every time that someone gives their heart to the Lord, that there's a celebration in heaven. There's a party going on, right? This is just furthermore. Now let's fast forward, and I want to get to the, the other son just very quickly. I did, Like I said, I don't want to keep you long. We're going to get this uh, finished here in a moment. And then, and then we're going to take missions, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed unless pastor has anything else. Fast forward to the other son. Keep going. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. The other son is hearing that there's a celebration going on, and he's, like, puzzled by it because he's been working all day. He's been doing the work of the father, right? Now let's... Go on. So he called one of the servants and he asked what these things meant. I see we have a different one who's running the computer, so he's not as astute, maybe. Uh, and he said to him, your brother has come. And because and it's funny because the two in the booth are the sons of this father. <laughs> so your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. <laughs> not, no, go back. <laughs> I know. We'll have to work with him on this, learning the pauses. But he was angry. Listen. Oh, dear Lord. This is going to get into my message next week, actually. So we'll call this a precursor, an intro to uh, what I've got studied. Because next week we're going to be talking about something that the Lord's been dealing with me for multiple years. When was it that, that you and Pastor Mika handed out the pages from the Bible? Do you remember? Was that 2018, I think? How many on staff here remember the year we had Christmas? I got a page that we all got a page. We all got a page from the Bible, and, and we were, I, I don't remember the gist, the gist was just this quickly before we go on, about the fact that read this as if this was the only scripture you ever had, read it and, and get into it. And um, I had Ephesians 4, and uh, I dwelled on it for a whole year, but I dwelled on it so much that like Ephesians 4 is like in me, <laughs> Right? Like, it's, it's just there. And about, about probably four weeks ago, I was just really kind of dwelling on it. Four or five weeks ago, dwelling on it again. And then Pastor Mika came to me and said, Hey, I want you to preach these two Sundays coming up while I'm uh, out of town in Israel. So if you could be prepared. And I was like, great. The Lord's already been dealing with me about Ephesians 4. And then we had a district convention, and that, that was a, its own little thing. And, and while we're there, I was like, all right, Lord, I see what you were doing for me to be prepared for, for district convention and then this message. So we're going to get into it, but I want you to understand something. How many times I've seen in the church when God starts moving on people who have been away for a long time and people who have been in the house feel for some reason they get in. Uh, I'll use some of my other friends type of language. They feel some type of way. 
right? They're upset about the fact that the Lord is moving on someone who hasn't been here, who hasn't been faithful, and we should be rejoicing because someone has returned to the fold, and instead we get upset and get offended, offended, and and if I was to go back into Matthew, I think uh, Matthew is one of my sets of scriptures, 24, 25, talks about the fact that in the last days there'll be a spirit of offense. Everyone's going to be offended. How many has been seeing that the last several years in the world? And you know what? The one place it shouldn't be, the church, but guess what? It is. It's in there. And, and part of it is, is because we're around that spirit all day, every day when we're working, when we're at the store, when we're at the gas station, when we're at the restaurant, when we're in the drive through at Popeye's and there's like 25 cars in front of you, right? <laughs> I'm just throwing some real world experience in there with it. And a spirit of offense seems to be everywhere and we get it. And in the church, the same thing happens. And what happens here? The older son's like, I'm not going in there. I, you know what? It, um, he's the older son, and he's acting like the younger son, pouting. I'm not going in there. Right? He's throwing a party for him. I've been here this whole time. And you know what the father says when we get down to it here in just a minute? The father says, you've been here the whole time. He says the same thing. But the father's point is, is you've been here the whole time, and you've not, you are the one that has decided not to have the relationship. You could have at any time had the fatted calf. You could have at any time had a celebration. You could have at any time taken advantage of everything in my house, but you did not. (laughs) The The Lord's sitting there saying, listen, you've been here every Sunday and you chose to check out. And now whenever someone comes in that hasn't been here and they start getting blessed and the Spirit's moving on them, you're like, why is the Lord moving on them and not me? Because you checked out. Let's go. Let's get there. I'm way ahead of where that's at. Let's get there. The next verse. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you may you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Go ahead. But as soon as this son of yours, can't even say my brother. He's like, this son of yours, right? I can see my boys back there pointing at each other because they would do this same thing. But as soon as your other son, right, came in, <laughs> who, who just was childish with all the things you gave him, right? That's what he's saying here. He took all the stuff you gave him and he blew it on everything. You devoured your livelihood with harlots. Like, he was calling them out. It's interesting that his son, other son had went to a far country. Somehow this son knew exactly what his brother had been doing. That sounded like church folk too. Right? They know everything that everyone else has done wrong, and they don't want to point the finger back at themselves. They just want to say, hey, I know what my brother's been doing over there, and he's been doing everything and all the stuff he shouldn't be doing, and I've been here the whole time, Lord. (sighs) Don't get me started. You killed the fatted calf for him, right? And he tried to take the high road, too. He's like, you could have just got a young goat. That's what the last verse said. He didn't even want the fatted calf. He's like, you could have got a young goat. You never did that. But here this son is, and you killed the fatted calf. The fatted calf was the good stuff. You have to understand that when we're getting into this. Next verse. And he said to him, son, 
This is it. Whew. You're always with me. And all that I have is always yours, is really what this is saying. It's all yours. You could have had it at any time. And isn't this true of us? We come in Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and everything that the Lord has is available to us, but we check out. We're on our phones. We're worried about the football game that's coming afterwards. We're worried about the potato soup that's been sitting in the crock pot all morning, and that is true for today, right? We're worried about all those things. And the Lord's saying, I want to meet you right here, right now. You're in my house all the time. Everything I have is available to you. You're worried about the one that showed up for a little while and I touched their life. And you're like, why can't that happen to me? And the Lord's saying it could have happened anytime. It was always available to you. And I could break this down a little bit further and even say, you don't even have to be here in the house. You're just in right standing with him. He's saying you could be in your car on the way to work. (laughs) You could be sitting at your job or out in the middle. I don't know what your job life is like. Maybe you're out in the field. Maybe you're like me. I'm in an office. Maybe whatever it may be. The Lord's like, I'll meet you there too if you want. I'm always available is what he's saying. You're the one that's checked out. (laughs) I'm using our English here a little bit. How many would say, Lord, I'm sorry I've been checked out. Lord, I'm sorry that I've been checked out. And here's the thing. It's not just important for us to not be checked out for ourselves. It's important that we not be checked out because there's others that need the Lord. They need to see it lived in front. I was praying, you know what, one of the times, because I went to the altar a couple times today. (laughs) I'm just telling you, that's just the Lord's dealing with me a couple I went to it a couple of times today, and one of the times was because here's the thing that we have to understand. It's not enough that I could be able to preach this stuff with my mouth to people. They need to see it. And Christians are great a lot of times for being able to verbally explain to people why they need Jesus, but they're terrible at showing them his love. And love is not something you can just tell people about. You have to show it. And you want to know one of the things that's so scary is Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And when people look at the church, they don't see that love sometimes. And the reason is, is we would have the father's heart if we spent every single day with him. Right. We would have his heart if we would spend the time to get to know his heart. And then we would be the same way he is. We would have been on the porch with him saying, where is he? I want to see him. I want to hug him. I don't want him to go to hell. I don't want him to die. I don't want him to be gone. I don't want him to be out of the kingdom. How many of you right now know people that are not living right and they need Jesus? My heart breaks for them right now. Because if you truly believe that the world is coming close to his return, then you understand how dire it is for them to get back in the Father's house. What's the last verse? I think there's one more, right? It was right that we should make Mary and be glad for your brother was dead and now is alive again. And he was lost, but now is found. Is there another one? If there is, let's... That was the last one. 
point I want to make, and this is this is completely all of this was completely on the fly. I, I had zero notes for this. This was all downloaded, if you will, by the Lord over here, the Holy Spirit. We have got to quit missing opportunities to meet with the Lord, both at home and here in church or wherever you're at. We have got to get to be about the Father's business. And I'm, I'm, when I'm preaching this, I want you to hear my heart. I'm not preaching this like I'm someone who's trying to beat it over your head. I'm telling you that the Lord's preaching it to me as I'm preaching it to you. We have got to be in the place where every single day we're meeting up with him. Every single day we're getting in here because this is where we're going to find what his heart is. Every single day. And, and I would say this is something that back in the day when, and say back in the day, it's not only been but maybe 10, 12 years when Francis Chan came out with his book, Crazy Love. But he made a statement in one of his messages when he was preaching about that book. He said, you know what? I'm convinced that you don't know how to love unless you know love. First John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth knoweth God. But he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Francis Chan said, I'm, I would venture a guess to say that if you're a husband, you don't know how to love your wife unless you know Jesus. If you're a father, you don't know how to love your children unless you know Jesus. Because he is love. And unless you know love, you can't know how to love. And I would say that we need to get so close to the Father's heart that we have his heart. That when someone cuts us off, we're like, Lord, just bless them. <laughs> right? I know I use that a lot. I actually don't get cut off a lot on the highway, but I use that analogy a ton when I'm speaking. I don't, I don't typically get cut off a lot. I hear my wife complain more about it than I do. <laughs> She gets cut off. She's maybe nicer. Maybe it's me, the one that's doing the cutting off. That may be why. <laughs> Pastor Tim's the loudest one laughing because he's right there with me, and we're probably trying to cut each other off. <laughs> but I want to. I just want to say this: that what I felt so heavy on my heart is this: that when we have services like this, and sometimes it feels like we may be taking a moment, right? And we're like, "Man, why is this dragging on?" It's not dragging on. We're there's been an opportunity created for someone who needs to make that connection with the Lord at that moment. And it may be you. It may be you that needs to make that connection. And here's the thing. We don't want to just pass on by that moment and get on to the next thing because the Lord is trying to do a work. There was some severe, um, uh, just amazing work that was going on here that you may not still fully understand all of it. And there may have been some back here while you're sitting in the seats that God was dealing with you and doing some amazing work. And we want to make time for that. But what I want to hit on the most is that I believe all of us in the house to be those who are still in the Father's house. But please, whatever you do, let's not check out. Let's not check out. When, I, when my brother's up here playing, and, and, and let me just help you guys understand something. We're honored to have our brother here, and I'm, not, I'm doing this in the message on purpose because this isn't just like a plug. You have to understand when someone like a brother Ryan comes and, and his wife and they all come, we don't just let anyone up here on the platform to lead worship. 
And, and I'm going to go back a few years, and, and I know that this may touch a couple of our family members' hearts. When my mother-in-law was alive, and, and she would be here, and she would hear that De- Deontay and Lacey weren't here, she, we would say to her, yeah, they're not going to be here. And she's like, well, who's leading worship? She would always do that. And we would go, oh, well, Ryan's coming. She'd go, oh, thank the Lord. She's like, because he hears from the Lord, and he knows how to flow in the Spirit. And so I, we don't say those things lightly about our brother. I want you to understand that we love him. And furthermore, and I'll say this publicly, every time I walk in the room, I feel like I'm in the room with my brother. I don't have a brother. I only have a sister in the natural. But every time I walk in the room, I feel like I'm in the room with my brother. And that's a rarity. But that's the type of thing we should have with every single person when we walk into the house of the Lord. So let's not check out, and, and I am one of the worst at checking in on my brothers and sisters. I'm just going to tell you, I'm the worst even checking in on my kids and parents when they were still alive. I'm just the worst at checking in on people that I do genuinely love. I'm terrible at it, but we've got to step that up. We can't check out when we're in church. We can't check out when we're at home and the Lord's dealing with us. We've got to start getting into it, guys. And I don't, I don't necessarily know the direction to go because the Lord's done a whole lot of work already this morning. And so I'm, I'm going to, here in a moment, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Tim. And if he has anything else, uh, we'll, we'll go that direction. But last thing I want to say is this. Time is extremely short. We don't have time to be playing around. And if, if we were to get into a... a Biblical study on the end times. I'm telling you that, like in my spirit, I feel like it could be tomorrow. Right? No man knows the day or hour. I want you to hear my heart. I'm not trying to predict the Lord's coming back tomorrow. (laughs) What I'm telling you is that the level of alert that I feel in my spirit is that we don't have time to check out anymore. And so we need to get we need to get with it. We need to be sincerely praying. We have we have pursued our fleshly desires far too long, and we need to be pursuing the Father. We need to be running back home at every single moment we can. Pastor Tim, if you want to come.